Hello, and welcome to the Worth the Watch podcast. While there are plenty of movie review podcasts out there, our goal is not to be that. This is supposed to be a fun look back at movies from our past that we have enjoyed. We just want to fill that place between your ears for about an hour. Make your commute to work a little more tolerable, or let you reflect on a movie that you may have seen. Movies can make us laugh and cry, make us cringe in fear, or be a shot of adrenaline. We watch them in theaters with total strangers, at home with friends and family, or on Sundays when it's on cable for the 300th time. When One We Love comes on TV, we get excited. It's almost like, hey, someone else likes this movie too. So if you like what we do, let us know. Follow us on Twitter at WorthTheWatchPC, again, at WorthTheWatchPC, or email us at WorthTheWatchPodcast at gmail.com. Make suggestions of movies you love and want to hear. Tell us what areas you want us to cover. Please keep things clean. We have families who don't want them to be worried about us. Please remember, this is all in good fun, and if something on here offends you, tough shit. Get over it and find something else to be upset about. Welcome to the Worth the Watch podcast. I'm your host, Ed Palola. With me, as always, Mike Kennedy. Hello, Michael. Hello, hello. How are we doing? We're good. We are good. Uh, I want to apologize in advance. Uh, we are a little behind schedule due to, by the time you hear this, it's going to be beginning of August. Some vacations and travels and things kind of threw us off a little bit. So uh, Mike and I will be picking up in August, back on our regular every two week release schedule. Uh, like I said, we've been a little bit behind. I've been at, Mike's been out of town. I'll, I'll be out of town. So uh, we're recording this late July. By the time you hear it, it will be in August. So, but I want you to know we'll be back on schedule in no time. This week's movie, uh, A Knight's Tale, released May eleventh, two thousand one, came out one week before the movie Shrek, which I found interesting because it feels like Shrek came out forever ago and I feel like this movie didn't but when I thought about it a little longer it's like yeah I guess they um I guess so I think it's because there were how many Shreks four and I think they're making a fifth one yeah it's just they're they're coming back left and right all the time yeah well it's it's a money factory so uh the box office of this movie so it was budgeted at 65 million dollars it's opening weekend it only made 16 million and in the United States, only grossed fifty six and a half million. So, kind of was well, it was a bust. It made one hundred and seventeen worldwide, but the movie did not do that well. I feel like it had much more of a HBO cable career than ever it did in box office. Yeah, I think it's something that people started to watch a lot more after the movie came out. More yeah, than and the Rotten Tomato the Rotten Tomato score kind of reflects that. So. Uh, Guess what the percent for Rotten Tomatoes the critic score was, Mike? Oh, critic score was going to be low, maybe 50. 59, so uh, pretty close. However, the audience score, very different, 79%. So That's when, you see, a, yeah, when yeah. you see a movie with, with 20% higher in the audience score, it makes you, it gets that, I don't want to call it a cult following because it's not true cult following, but it's a movie that if it's on TV – you know you're going to watch at least some of it. Uh, IMDb score 6.9 out of 10. So, again, a pretty high score for IMDb after, what are we going on, 17 years since it came out. Mm-hmm. Cast of the movie, Heath Ledger, 
pour a little bit out for him. It plays William Thatcher. Mark Addy plays Roland. Alan Tudyk plays Watt. Alan Tudyk, you would know as Steve the Pirate from Dodgeball shortly after this. Paul Bettany plays Jeffrey Chaucer, which I have some interesting information about Jeffrey Chaucer later and kind of how this story was created around Jeffrey Jeffrey Chaucer, not William Thatcher, actually, is the the true character that, that this story follows. Paul Bettany, you'd know mostly from the Avengers and Iron Man now. Shannon Sossaman played Jocelyn. A girl named Berenice Bejo plays Christiana, who you don't see much of in this movie, but I have some thoughts on her later. Rufus Sowell plays Count Adamar. Laura Frazier plays Kate. And uh, sorry, I had Ruf, I had Adamar in here twice. That's the uh, that's the cast of the movie. I, I like that. Uh, I was going to just add that James uh, Pierf- Pierfoy, I think his name is. He's the guy who played Colville and played Edward in the movie. Yeah, I was kind of looking into him. He didn't really have much other than this. Uh, he was in Rome, and he was in a what was that TV show with Kevin Bacon? He was in uh, that only made show. it like one season. Mm, I think it may have made it more than one. The following. Oh, yeah, the following. I thought it got killed after one year. It says here now that I looked it up 2013, 2015. Okay, so it did make it a couple seasons. Yeah, that was uh, it was weird from what I understand. I never watched it, but oh, no, it had three seasons. Okay. Anyways, so uh, why don't you get into the plot first, Mike? All right. We have William Thatcher as a servant to a now dead knight. He decides to joust in this place. So he and the other servants can split the winnings and finally eat. After he manages to stay on the horse and win the tournament, he convinces Watt and Roland to use the money for training so they can continue to compete in the tournaments and earn money and change his stars. They meet a naked Jeffrey Chaucer, a writer who informs them that they are going to need proof of royal birth and agrees to supply them with the proper paperwork if they feed and clothe him. At this tournament, we meet Kate, the female blacksmith that will be joining our Lichtenstein crew. We have Jocelyn, William's love interest throughout the rest of the movie, and Count Adamar, William's evil arch rival throughout the film. Adamar not only beats, but verbally embarrasses William throughout the tournament. This lost Adamar fuels William to no longer compete in the sword and concentrate solely on the joust. Adamar is soon called, called away back to his armies, leaving William to clean house in all the tournaments while continuing his courtship of Jocelyn. Finally, we get to the World Championships, which are held in London. William has not been back to London since he was 12 years old. When he arrives, he finds out that his father is alive, but now blind. He goes and visits his father, not knowing that Adamar has been following him and can now prove that he is not nobility. Knowing that he will be arrested, William refuses to run and is thrown in the stocks. Prince Edward and... Prince Edward, the future king of England, demands that William be released. He tells everyone that William is of noble birth and proceeds to knight him on the spot. The tournament continues with Adamar faces William. William manages to unhorse Adamar, winning the tournament and the girl. That's about it, Ed. That's about it. That that sums it up pretty well. Previously, we had gone pretty much... Scene by scene by scene. So we, we, we have a little bit different approach this, this time around. 
Uh, why don't you kind of kick it off for us, Mike? Yeah, I just wanted to give you guys a brief little outline about the movie, you know, and then now we're going to kind of just go through just kind of how, you know, the thoughts of the movie. You know, I like to say we just kind of start at the beginning, you know, at the very beginning. Uh, what uh, were we say? I have some problems with this opening. What are your problems, Ed? The music. It's so weird that they play We Will Rock You by Queen and the crowd is participating in it. I don't, it, it, it's such a weird dynamic and they do it later on in the worst scene in the whole movie, which I'll complain about later, which is the dancing scene. But it's, it's gives the perception that these people that supposed to exist in London in the middle ages know the beat and rhythm to we will rock you by queen as it's See, going. I, I think, like it really threw I, me I, off. I disagree with you on this. I read a little bit more about it and okay. A lot of the music that you would want to hear wasn't, didn't even exist back then. The music you would have had exist back then. There would have been no emotion in the music. Like Very there would true. Have been no emotion music. So the director decided to use music to fuel the emotion, the feel of the film, but use it modern. That's kind of how they did it. If you look at like some of the clothing and a lot of the other things, they, they give it a modern twist to a lot of the different things that are being said throughout. They use lines in the movie from the Beatles and their songs and stuff like that too. Like there's, that are just quoted throughout it. So there's a lot of different things. I liked the placement. I liked how they used it. I thought it was kind of cool. I know this is part of the reason why it depends who's watching it. What I've heard is other people saying that like, People who were older that watched it didn't li- didn't like that same thing that you're saying that confused them with the um, with the music. But I I liked the the way they used some modern music in it, which it's kind of it's kind of silly and funny to see. And you know you just kind of have to take with the grain of salt. This is not a historically correct film. You know when you're very you know, true. So it's like you kind of just have to. They're trying to have fun with it, and I think that's what they did. And I think they did a great job of doing it. Um, I get where you're coming from, but it's still, I don't know. It was weird to me. It just, it, it made it weird that is it supposed to take place back then? Or is it all a fantasy? I guess. Do you see what I mean? No, I understand. I'm just saying though, it's supposed to take place back then. They just decided to use modern music to, um, you know, add a life to it, I guess to add like some, you know, some good, because if you use just regularly, you know, like, you would probably expect, like, orchestra-type music. They didn't have orchestra-type music back in the, I think this movie, historically, when you look at some of the characters that are in it, a lot of the characters are real characters. It takes place in, like, the 13 or 1400s, and they didn't have orchestra music back then either. So if you're going to go historically, a lot of the music that he would have used would have been inaccurate anyways, even though it would have felt more accurate. But I guess you can play. Fair enough. Um, we will rock you, and them, you know, trying to get it in. But I don't know. It it threw me off. That's all. And the dance scene, they picked another song from the early nineteen seventies that really was like they all know how to dance to this song, and it was it just threw it just kind of throws you off on the movie. You know, are you following a story that took place in the in the Middle Ages, or are you following a story that took place in 1973? So that's that was that's my big complaint about that that opening scene. It becomes like an arena rock, which 
I'm going to get into a question later when we when we get through all this about the the classification of this movie. But uh, to go into the music thing, then they play Lowrider in his training sequence. Yeah. I feel like it was a good fit there because they didn't again there you go. They acknowledge the music then they don't acknowledge the music. It just threw it just threw it off for me. I guess I'm focusing on it probably too much, but once once you hear the first song, I'm expecting to hear more up to date songs that I'm going to recognize. You know I mean? Yeah, the rest yeah, of the time, that's, I just that's go, oh, this is what they're they're trying to make it a. I almost want to say like, what was that movie with that Shakespeare movie that kind of was more Shakespeare in Love with like Leonardo DiCaprio? I think was he in it? Oh, um, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, yeah wasn't it? Or was it called yeah, something different? I, I could. Yeah, yeah, and it had like super 90s but music. They, they did the opposite. They talked like they were from, you know, the Shakespeare time, but they were like, acted like they were in like the 90s. You know, it's like, it's kind of the same sort of like toss around where they're adding just a little yeah. bit here. It didn't, definitely did not bother me anywhere near <laughs> it did you at all. As much as it did, not, obviously. I just sat back and enjoyed the movie, to tell you the truth. But I did like the, that's one of my favorite scenes actually when you talk about that, after they decide that they're going to you know, use the money to train for the tournament instead. And then they show the training montage of them, you know, playing row rider. He's practicing jousting and sword fighting and all the other different things, you know, to get ready for the next tournament. I, I do enjoy that scene a lot where, you know, he's like, they're like pulling him on the boat in the water and he's trying to just like, you know, hit the lance through like a little ring. And yeah, it was good. It was, it was a fun training montage. And, um, the montage I actually liked more than that one is the one where he is sword fighting and they're playing taking care of business. Yeah. I thought that one was really good. Well, it's, it's, it kind of, I was like, would you, I'm glad that they picked a more fun song instead of, you know, they could have tried to make it serious, like a, you know, throw some journey in there. <laughs> well, yeah, journey would have been awesome. I'm just saying, <laughs> no, uh, uh, journey would have thrown it off. I see what you mean. In this movie are super like, hardcore you know they're more a little bit more lighthearted. yeah yeah it is a lighthearted version of this movie yeah it is a light the movie is it actually i will say this the music does help keep the movie a little bit light um heath ledger helps keep the movie a little bit light too because he is not such a um even as the joker in the dark knight there still was a level of what's the word I'm looking for. Even listening to him speak as the Joker, it didn't feel that heavy just because it's Heath Ledger. And he had just come off of 10 things I hate about you. And that's kind of how he's looked at. This, 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 this is definitely for Heath Ledger. These were his, this was like, you know, his like coming out movies. Yeah, yeah. Ten things I hate about you, and then this were his his true coming out, and then he actually came out of the closet in Brokeback Mountain, which was a few years after this. And then uh, he's that been kiss, dead. That kiss scene, you know, with uh, Watt in this movie, that could have been the one that triggered him to want to take that role. Could have been. Could have been. Uh, actually, I just saw something the other day. Who was it? Uh, I think it was Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt both turned down the roles for Brokeback Mountain. They would have had the two best looking, two of the best looking men on the planet, 
playing that role. I don't know if women would have ever recovered. I don't know. Um, Heath Ledger looks terrible in dreadlocks. Just gonna say it. You know who he looks like is uh, the main character from Sons of Anarchy. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yep. Yeah, he looks exactly. That's kind of what he looked like until he gets himself cleaned up a bit. He looks more like he should be in an episode of that TV show Vikings or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of how it was back then. If you were poor, you couldn't afford a haircut, and shaving wasn't exactly. You couldn't get a um. Dollar Shave Club to deliver it to your to your house. It's true. Which I highly recommend Dollar Shave Club to anybody out there. It's awesome. Uh, so we get we, so kind of like when we're going, we're, we get we get to the point where we meet Chaucer, who is naked. We find out that you know he has been robbed and all his money, and that's when he says, you know, you need patents. I believe is what it's called. I didn't. Yeah, something like that. The papers that validate you are who you say you are in your lineage goes back as far as it's supposed to. Yeah. And because if he wants to prove, he, Paul Bettany sees right through him right away and knows he's not a knight and doesn't have nobility. And for those of you who don't know who Jeffrey Chaucer is, he's a real person. And he wrote the Canterbury yes. Tales. And the first story of the Canterbury Tales is called The Knight's Tale. And that's, as I was alluding to when we were going through the cast, this there's a, a line at the end when he says, I should write all this down. You know, this story. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a, an ode to a little tip of the cap to the real Jeffrey Chaucer and him writing that story down. True, some of it being true, some of it being not, of course. So, uh, I love his opening speech. Well, his, his, the, his uh, first speech, I mean, the speech where he's doing the swords, yeah, his first introduction. No, uh, his intro. Yeah, his introductory speech before the lance. Oh, in- before the jousting. Yeah, where he says, "Lords, ladies, and everybody here, not sitting on a cushion." Yeah, and that's pretty much uh, that's in- pretty much taken away from a Beatles thing too. I read about. Yeah, th- there was some some references to the Beatles in a few of these. Uh, I don't know if the writer had a um, kind of a love of the Beatles, and that's why he snuck it in there or not, but. Um, there was there was that and one more, I forget which one later on. Oh, it's it's actually it's it's earlier. It's whenever um, Watt is talking to him and like threatens him, like tells him he's going to. Uh, oh yeah, I'm gonna rip out your eat your insides, your outsides, and your outsides, your insides, or something like that. Yeah. He's like your insides. He's like. Until he's like, I'll beat you until your insides are out and your outsides are in. And yeah. it's a line from everybody's got something to hide except me and my monkey from the white album. <laughs> if you would have told me that, if you would have played a game with me, is this a real song title? <laughs> right. I would have said no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did, I, did I make this song title up? And I would have said, yes, you did. But obviously you did not. <laughs> nope, I literally read that off IMDb pretty much right there yeah. for you. <laughs> uh, something else I noticed when the first time they meet Jocelyn, she is she. It's when she's kind of randomly through this town. Um, she looks like a character from Star Wars: Phantom Menace. No, it, it, with I, that it, ridiculous it, it, white. Jade said, on "I go. Head. She's she's doing her best, like uh, Princess Amidala or whatever." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, um, yeah, that's who she looked like. 
And it's like, yeah, it's like William's right. like, oh, I see a pretty girl. You know, love at first sight. And that's the worst she looks in the whole movie. She looks terrible. With that ridiculous thing on her head. And he just ra- wanders into the church with his horse. Yeah, that was... Uh, that was I cool. love when he's going, he says, like, just he calls her tail. a foxy lady. Or something yes. like that. <laughs> During that, he's like, my foxy lady. Again, there's that where is it supposed to take place? Foxy lady was a term in yeah. the 60s and 70s, not a term in the 1560s and 1360s. Uh, for the record, I think her... Not slave girl, but whatever you want to call her, Christiana, oh, like, is more... Servant hand. She's her servant she's hand. Probably sold to her father by Christiana's parents. She's prettier than Jocelyn. Yeah, I, mean, I can agree with that. Yes, and it's not as if William knows that Jocelyn is of, you know, of ilk or of importance. So that's why he chases after. He easily could have gone after Christiana too. Just saying, man. Yeah. Consider all your options first. I mean, he's also supposed to be noble, so he's got to go after. Supposed to go after somebody who's, you know. Yeah, but you never know. She's noble the first time he goes chasing after. He just spots her in the middle of whatever. Well, it's your first sight, bro. Guess so. He'd fallen for I, that that ridiculous white thing on her head. He's a big I, Star Wars fan. I, I do guess. like when she's in the church, like talking to the priest, and what he says, her beauty's a and curse. She's like, why, why? She's like, why, God, did you curse me with this face? Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, being hot's a real big curse. Yeah, that's such. I know, being a a beautiful girl in your early twenties, how do you get by? Terrible. Okay, around around this time is, I know we this is where at the same time we the meet. We meet uh, Chaucer and find out that he actually has a gambling problem and he didn't get robbed. And we meet the leg breakers, as I like to call them, the debt collectors. Yes. Um, and he told them that, like, uh, his liege or whatever would t- take care of the bill that he owes him. Pretty much begging William to, like, help him out. William, you know, William's got a good heart, so William agrees to pay after the tournament. And mind you, this this the second time we see Paul Bettany na- naked. The dude needs his son. Yes. And those saggy, saggy butt cheeks could use some squats or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He could he could use a little work. Uh, yeah. Great thing from Chaucer shortly after this. So they have to run and jump into the sword fight, which is my the taking care of business montage. Mm-hmm. Right after he wins, Chaucer starts yelling, "Do you want to touch him? Do you want to touch him?" Like as he's walking him out. I thought that was great. He snuck that in. He, he also, uh, the two guys, uh, named were Peter and Simon. The uh, two, like, yeah, they're like apostles, debt collectors. Um, they were actual yeah. characters from the Canterbury Tale too. Oh, good. If you're wondering. Yeah, it, I, I don't think it's any coincidence their names were Peter and Simon. Either they converted because they're supposed to be debt collectors who punish those who go against the cloth. I think was was how they termed it, something like that. That gambling was bad, although they were the ones taking the money off of them. And then after this, we meet Kate because his armor gets cracked. Yeah, and he tried. I like Kate. Yeah, I think she was a good character. She's okay. You know, I know, and it sounds misogynistic of us, but a lot of times women are miscast in a lot of the movies we do, and we complain about them. Kate was pretty good. She was kind of has that little bit of a bitchy feel, but still, she was was fine. Pretty can handle herself. 
she and she was just outmatched by the other people that were with her. You know, like the other actors that were. In that well, Heath Ledger's. What I'm saying, like the 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 whole all the all the male roles that were by guys that kind of took over the movie compared to her. Yeah, even Roland. I really liked Roland. I was saying Mark Addy. Yeah, he's he's hilarious. He's. A- I like to speaking of Mark Addy. I love when Christiana brings the favor to, um, to William, and says, "My lady wants you to use this favor when you fight." Right before he fights Adamar for the first time, and as she's walking away again, this is when I really noticed how attractive she was. You see Roland's mouth just wide open. As she's walking away, and Paul Bettany just grabs it and shuts it real quick. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of the scene from Transformers when, um, who's the super hot chick in it? Megan Fox. Megan Fox is in his room. And she just like pops up. She's like, "Hi, I'm his friend." And you, see, and you see his dad reach over to fist bump. He's like, "Whoa!" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I didn't see that. I probably didn't see that part of that movie the first five times I watched it and then when I oh, how'd you it, miss it it's one of the funniest I, things I, I and then as soon as I caught it it's I cannot stop watching it laughing every time I see it oh he's the, the guy who plays his dad is so funny in that movie yeah he's so underrated we'll do Transformers someday we may we may have to do one and two together because there's not a lot of plot to them but a ton of fun stuff like that it's mainly how badass Optimus Prime is in the first fifteen, first twenty-five minutes of yeah. the second one, really. But um, so we, we, like I said, we we met Kate. She fixes his armor, even though she didn't want to, because he doesn't have money. But he can kind of tricks her into it, saying that the other guy said she couldn't do it, not because she was a woman, but because she just wasn't good enough. Yeah. And uh, he said, "You're uh, you're good with horseshoes, but you're shite with armor." I also like uh, when they after they fix it, um, they show they show a guy. It's like a vendor, pretty much walking around the baseball game, and he's yelling, "Cats meat, hot wine." Cats meat, hot wine. Beautiful line right there. That, that's uh, that's the Middle Ages for you. Yep. Not, that's how you got not, by. Not cold beer here. Cold beer. Yeah. Uh, right after this, you meet Adamar. Adamar in the black armor. Any, I love the black, all black. I think at any time any movie has the bad guy in all black or who it's always the bad team, the bad guy, whatever in all black. I'm always all in. It's like a, I think it looks so good. A homage to Darth Vader, pretty much. Yeah, but it's just in general, it's always the you know black represents the bad, the evil, the whatever. Uh, it, it always looks good. Even I, I'm always a fan of. The Steelers have a new uniform they have that is all black with the yellow stripe down the side. It's the best looking uniform they have. I'll tell you what, though. Rufus, was his name Swell or Sewell? Yeah. He's great. He's, He's fantastic. fantastic. I want I want more of him. He goes right into my – oh, who was the guy from Dragonheart we talked about? Um, but, yeah, he's he's great. Adam Marsh great. He, he kind of, you know, introduces himself to his chick – flirts with kind of trying to flirt with William's new love interest. She's not really, you can tell she's not interested in him because he's just kind of, you know, that stuck, stuck up prick type of guy. And he's just perfect at it. Like even really yeah, guys go up and talk to her and the count just like serves them. Pulls up the favor. He picks the favor up off of him and walks it over to her and be like, uh, are you sure this is the person you wanted to give that to? First thing. 
in the most smug way. No, Rufus Sewell is falls into the Jason Isaacs category, which is fantastic bad guy. Wish he would have been in more stuff. Exactly. Yep. He's one of those guys. Yeah, I couldn't think of Jason fun, Isaacs' names. Drive me crazy. Fun story about Rufus Sewell. Yeah, I'm trying can, to look him up can, now can so I can recognize him anything else. He was actually a comedian. And he's really funny. But he started, when he started doing movies, he was worried he was going to get typecast. So he started applying for bad guy roles and ended up being really good at it. Yeah, he's just talented. But he's a comedian. Oh, I can't imagine in... him being funny at all. You know, <laughs> like when you watch him, like. Do you have Amazon Prime? Uh, yes, I do. He's in Man in the High Castle. Yeah, I'm, pr- I'm sure he's probably. I'm sure he's awesome. Oppengrouper John Smith is his name. He's in 21 episodes. I'm sure he's fantastic as a Nazi. Trying to look at some of the other stuff. He's in The Illusionist. We. He's in The Legend of Zorro. Hmm. I don't remember him in The Legend of Zorro. When we get when we get to there, um, this is kind of like where we have. Part of, kind of part of the movie where you have that like scene where we meet Colville, who's as Edward. Well, we don't know that at the well, time. He goes, yeah, you don't, don't know that at the time. Yet, but... but they they joust and he injures himself a little bit and can't finish it. Pretty much wants to keep his honor. So the next round they do a draw and William ends up winning, and uh, that's what Adamar calls that's his weakness because he shows... yes his weakness he shows mercy There's some mercy. Um. This is the like the next day, the finals, you know, you have Oric. This is where Adamar beats Oric, you know, and um This is where he like gets hit so hard in the head that it knocks him back to his childhood. <laughs> yeah, that a little weird. Again, with the it almost feels like someone did some magic mushrooms before they started this movie with the trans transplant of music and yeah he he does this weird flashback as to a kid and then suddenly it comes back and he's get it gets hit again in the in the head <laughs> the reason they keep talking about changing your stars and that's kind of where we learned about yeah. how he wanted to be a knight when he you know was growing up and the, the one guy yells at him like you have a better chance of changing the stars and he's like yeah, yeah he said anybody stars. can change their stars yeah, yeah. So like yeah like you can change the stars that's kind of like where you get all that. And, and that's where it's like, you know, Orc's so pissed because Adam March is every time it's just like, you know, you can never beat me. I'm the best, you know, like, it's like, yeah, my balls pretty much the whole time. And he yeah. Off and he's just like, <laughs> all right, now my, my like life goal is to beat you pretty much is what it is. Yeah. I don't care. This is, yeah. he, he doesn't want to compete in the sword anymore after this because he only wants to win the joust. Because it's the only one that matters. It's the one with the biggest prize, and it's tournament champion. Even though he's really good at the sword and can make a lot of money winning the sword, but he doesn't want to burn himself out. He wants just to win the joust. And then we have – we're coming up to the scene where, where your favorite part where they have the dance scene right before – Oh, God, it's so I bad. Think it's like, oh, William doesn't have a tunic, so they ask you know Roland what color the tunic is, and he's just like staring at their like tent – at the color, and he's like describing the tent's color, pretty much like I'm making yeah. tunic out of this tent right here. <laughs> yes, he's like pointing at it, nodding with his head. Uh, what is one thing that is funny is when they're when they're first trying to learn how to dance, the the banter back and forth between Watt 
in Chaucer for the entire movie is great. But when Chaucer's trying to give like the beat and he stops, he's like, and you, what is it? And you dance like a girl or something like that. And, and then it comes back like and, and he doesn't him. say anything. It pretty much. He's just like, yeah. He needs a punch. In the face. And then he punches him and then he comes, turns right back around it. And he's got the thing in his nose. Cause it's been bleeding. And he says something else like you, I, I wish I wish I remembered exactly what it was, but it it the banter back and forth between those two throughout the entire movie is a nice little comic relief yeah. that weaves in and out of the storyline. Um, this is that that's the scene yeah where Kate agrees and we really get her full force into the group. Uh, yeah, if she teaches them how to dance, I just love too that she's like, "Are you gonna wear your hair like that?" And then you know, trying to work. Not only can she do, you know blacksmith work apparently she's the next paul mitchell and can fix his ratty hair up too a little bit not just that she knows all the dance moves she knows that yeah she's yeah. a choreographer too but again it just it's so weird adamore calls out von lichtenstein from Gelderland and says why don't you show us a dance from your land so he starts like, definitely making some shit up yeah, it looks like he's about to do this little hip dance. And then suddenly she walks out around him. Jocelyn walks out around him because she should t- tell he's drowning. And then everybody in the room suddenly knows the magic dance that's going on. Like it's in like it's Studio 54 from 1970, like 1971. And yeah. they all know the exact dance sequence oh, of the it, whole it, thing. It, it just it throws me off. It, it's like, it, it's such it, a it, dumb it's Like they went over the dance once, but then everyone in the dance acts like they've been practicing for a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it reminds me of the scene from Not Another Teen Movie, where at the very end, the guy who ends up being the main character in How I Met Your Mother is standing there and goes, huh, who would have thought every kid that went to our school turned is actually a professional dancer? It's like everybody that went to that thing with no education and no background knows knows how to pick up an entire dance sequence and dance along to a song that's not going to be published for another 500 years and, and it slowly turns into like an <laughs> 80s dance party you know like yeah like, yeah it's just so he's weird like flipping around and dancing around i'm just like what is going on yeah that's it, i can't stand that so guess what adamar it backfired guess what and then he just leaves yeah so next you see she makes him new on oh fun fun fact that epic dancing yeah like weeks of rehearsal because he kept messing up <laughs> I was like, we not even that much to the dance, man. <laughs> yeah, you didn't have to do much. It, it's just, uh, and, and I, I guess they tried to get it all in one cut. That's why they needed weeks of it. I would have just had them do it and then just piece it together. But we also have doesn't matter. The whole Kate remaking Williams armor, yeah, tossing the Nike swoosh in there, definitely some. Product. I looked it. I looked it up. Placement. She says it's her trademark. It was product placement. Yeah. And I, I've had conversations with these people before. You are an official cord cutter. I am not, but we DVR everything and fast forward through commercials. That would be the new form of advertising. It's not going to be commercials. It's going to be product placement. It's going to be the beer they're drinking at the bar. It's going to be the shoes they're wearing, the coats they're wearing, the, the cars they're driving. You're not going to see, and they'll, they'll mention it in the shows, the movies, whatever it is. That's what the future of advertising will be, is product placement. So they Nike was, was on board in 2001, I guess. Or idiocracy, and they're just going to have, you know, it all around the t- outside of the TV while you're watching it. 
People getting kicked on the nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch, my balls. Ouch. Ouch, my balls. Isn't that what it's called? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like the bet next on. Um, I like the enthusiasm they have because he starts just whooping shit now, going through one after another after another, just D Lance or um, dehorsing people and running the gamut of these. And they get to the point where they're in France and they gave them two to one odds. They take William, the Frenchman, get anybody from France. And of course, Jocelyn has to ruin everything. Well, I mean, you kind of you kind of missing a very important part there, Ed, where he they're fighting in that one scene, and Adamar forfeits because they find out that who Colville is. Oh yeah, yeah I'm sorry, we did we did jump out. And I think that's cool because you know he forfeits to him because you can't hurt can't hurt the royalty. Yeah, yeah if you, the if royal you... like high family because he's the next supposed to be the next uh, king of England. Next King of England, yeah. And so Adamar forfeits, but William doesn't back down and just he hits him one time. I don't really know what happens, but then forfeits, I guess, or does whatever he has to do. Well, they, they hit each other and beat each other up pretty bad. So it saves his ass later, obviously. And then, as you said, he says, I've never not finished. So he lets him. I pretty much think that Kobo um, forfeits to him because he wins the joust in tournament champion. Because he gets all pissed off because it wasn't Adamar that he beat. Yes, he's like Adamar. You know, Adamar bounced out, and then Adamar goes off to fight in France. Exactly. Yeah, and this is where he just starts. This is the. This is my least favorite scene by far right here coming up. This is why I brought this part up because you started skipping over it. It's the little like he's after he loses, he's like acting like a little baby, and he's like whining, and he gets in that stupid little out of nowhere little, no reason fight with Jocelyn and calls her a stupid little girl. Yeah. And he went from like being obsessed and in love with her to being like out of nowhere, like I'm going to be a complete asshole to you. Yes. And yeah. Cause she asks him what, what he's going to wear and he doesn't care about dancing and flowers and stuff. He just wants to win tournaments and, and pound people with lances. Yeah. Better to be a silly girl with a flower than a silly boy with a horse and a stick. It's called a lance. Hello. Steve the Pirate jumping in. That was very, very late 90s, early 2000s. The hello. Very, very of the time. So they make the bet against the Frenchman with the two to one odds. And I like that it's, she tells him, oh, well, he's like, I'm going to win this for you. And she says, I don't want you to win it for me. I want you to lose it. So he, (laughs) I love when he's standing there just holding the joust up. Like, what are you doing? Losing. Why? I don't know. <laughs> He's so defeated. He doesn't understand what's going on. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> I, it, it reminds me it's of because woman to play well, with your brain, tell you to lose the tournament, which if any girl, this is like your livelihood, like a real woman. This would be like, if you're, this is, I consider this a sports movie. I, that's actually the question I was going to ask later is, is this a sports movie? I believe it's. A so let, let's, let's get into that for a minute. All right. I agree it's with you. It's 100% sports because okay. there's a lot of it's you know it would be cons- that's a sport back in you know Well, this is the same conversation we had about the Sandlot. And the reason is this is a sports movie is not just because it follows a sport, but the most important scene in the movie takes place 
as a sports competition. And the sports competition is the most important part of the movie. Like the Sandlot's not, it's a movie about kids playing baseball in the summer, but it's not about, it's not about baseball. Baseball is a side plot. This is a sports movie because the most important scene is the last scene where he takes on Adamar. Agreed? I, I say I agree. I think this is, uh, you know, sports movie. It's got, you know, you have a huge rival in it and everything like that, but you're lost to. Now you've got to beat him and all that. You know, it's totally, totally a sports movie to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, as you were saying. But I, I'm just saying, it's, it's such a typical woman, you know, playing ahead with a man, <laughs> telling him to do one thing and then going ahead and telling him to do another thing. Like, totally. As it, as they say, such a stereotypical I, woman, and now you know it's like I. A lot of women would not do this and be like, "No, I would not make you do this," you know. But there are women out there that would st- that still act like this now. They're just like, I get, I get the playing games, playing games. All the other men, he's not being romantic anymore with her, and she wants that, and he just you know doesn't know how to do it. He's a peasant. He doesn't know how to speak nice words and everything like that. And, and do the dances and yeah, and all that fun stuff. Um, this I wrote down that it's like Rocky. This kind of has a Rocky feel to it. And there's a great line in Rocky too, where Mickey looks at Rocky and says, "Stay away from women; they weaken the knees." Yeah. But then, of course, she flips the script on him and says, "Well, now I want you to win it." So he ends up winning it, and everyone wins a bunch of money off of it. Yeah, and I actually forgot whether or not he won that. I was starting to get pissed that if he had to lose all of that and they lost all that money because of her, they would have freaked out. Yeah, that's 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 what uh, that's what I don't really you know. That's the saving grace, but it's just funny how it's just like all of a sudden she just switches the flip. Like now, if you love her, you'll win. It's like what yeah. You- yeah, way way to make him spot everyone else a couple victories, and then him try and pull he's, it off. He's like strapping that machine, like getting his like shoulder put back in place or something like that. You know, like it, yeah, it looks like that's what they're doing. They're sep- They're like you had to do it with yours. You had to kind of pop it out to pop it back in, kind of thing. And it's just like, oh, you're like, bitch. Do you know what it feels like to get with a lance? I don't, yeah, it doesn't <laughs> feel freaking good. And they show him later. It looks like he's been completely just beaten to death up and down the left side of his body. And, you know, okay. So, so this is this is uh, you know scripted, and I know the first scene that they used in the movie, the two horses are going down, and you see the lances break on them. That that was real, and that was one of the guys was Heath Ledger's stunt double. Okay, he was knocked unconscious. Nice. Up the- well, not for him, but <laughs> knocked unconscious from from that scene, and I was like, you know, they're just like practicing, and they're using like softer lances and like all. Yeah, they 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 made them. I saw some. I think I have it later in the in the additional facts that they had to make them specific so they would splinter and shatter anytime they hit. Yeah. Yeah, so- yeah. It would really mess you up. Yeah. But. Um, I kind of fast forward towards the end. I don't know if you have anything between that and when he gets put in the stockades. Yeah, I mean, other than, you know, you kind of find out, um, because you're right, they go to London where he hasn't been for 12 years. 
Well, he does. He does bed Jocelyn. That's an important part. He, he does. He does. He does get that. He gets his reward. Yes. Yeah. His his prizes, I think, as she put it. Yeah, his prize or his trophy. Yeah, or I do. I do like the flashback where the father's giving him to Surrector or whatever his name. Yeah, and you see young Roland too. But the thing for me is, is that the guy who plays Surrector is Little John from Robin Hood Vincent, Prince of Thieves. I caught that. Really nice. I looked at my. I did not notice that. from Robin Hood Prince of Thieves, and then I went on. I, DB looked it up as I was watching the movie, and I was like, I am right. That is Little John from. <laughs> and we're going to do Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves someday because I'm obsessed with Alan Rickman in that movie. Yeah. But which one do you think you've seen more times? Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, or Robin Hood, Men in Tights? Probably pretty equal. Oh, I was going to say, I've probably seen Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, eh, 10 times. Men in Tights, I feel like I've seen it 53 times. It's always on TV. And <laughs> I always watch it. I don't know why. So when you said Little John, that's the Little John. I started thinking, I'm like, yeah, that's not him. Oh, wait, no, the other one, the real one. But, you know, other than that little scene, you know, you, you, he finds out his father's alive, you know, just like I said at the beginning, you know, his, his father, he doesn't know it's him at first. You know, he kind of... Right, because he's blind. He's blind, and then he tells him, I want you to know that he did change his start. But then as soon as he, like, said the words, he realized who he was, and it was something that had a nice little laugh, very emotional made me happy it's a nice scene it's a nice scene to see him get home to his dad and then you see that freaking adam mark fall with his ass and someone dimed him out yep and you know got all that crap and that's you know where he's his pride so much that he's like i'm not gonna run but right they throw him in the stocks like he said and i do like how his little crew watt chaucer everybody goes out there and Kate, Kate's got her her uh, her two hammers. She's ready to go. It's just like it's protecting him from the crowds, you know. Yeah. Um, why are they always throwing lettuce? You know, for people who are poor, I mean, why throwing food? <laughs> My exact thing I said as I'm watching it. You have no food. Why are you wasting the only edible stuff you have? That. And then when Chaucer gets hit with some lettuce, you thought it was like a someone threw a baseball like 90 miles. Away. Yeah, and then Edward lets him out. Yeah. I, I, I think it's uh, – I actually like the way they did that. Kind of uh, – we're, you know, we're both trying to hide who we are. And he just says, hey, I looked it up. He's royalty, even though he's obviously lying. But he's yeah. like, it doesn't matter. I'm the king. I'm going to do whatever I want. Or I'm the prince. I'm going to do whatever I want. So – and knights him on the spot, so it's all cool. He can now go fight. But it's like I like how it's like you've you've like let him be thrown in the stocks. You let him like get beat up and like tortured pretty much like in like jail. Then he's been in hanging in the stocks. And now you want this guy to be prepared to joust, like the biggest match of his life, pretty much. Oh, it is the biggest match of his well, life. Yeah, but it's like couldn't have uh Prince Edward jumped in at any time. He probably knows that this happened, you know? Yeah, you would think he would have caught word. It's his, it's his tournament. He says that at the end. He's like, are you ready to finish my tournament pretty much? So he knows it's his tournament. He yeah. knows that he's been disqualified. He knows that this guy lied about his birth. But he knows who he is because he's jousted against him twice now. So. Um, well, he goes to fight Adamar, and I have to point this out. The guy who waves the flag 
for those two to come after each other has an incredible mullet. So you listening at home, and Mike, you too, when you watch it again, watch when the guy goes to wave the flag between those two. And it's like the guy who's trying, he's ready to do it, and Chaucer jumps up and gives his speech. That's the guy. Watch the guy with the flag. He has the just a glorious mullet on him. Who knew mullets were big back then? I'm sure he didn't have a choice. He just kind of cut the hair out of their face and just look at it. <laughs> well, as you'll find out, a lot of this was filmed in Eastern Europe, and mullets were still big there at the time. So they probably just picked them out of the crowd. Yeah, a lot of people that were in the crowd, I know, were homeless people too. Yeah, they were homeless people from Prague. Um, but yeah, it, it's so weird. It's like we find out Adamar, so when they're doing this jousting scene, uh, he tips his joust or whatever, you know? And has, like, they, they make the, the fist out of, like, sugar, so it'll completely bust on sight, and then the tip will go into him. She says some, the, the woman that made it for him said it's some type of, it's literally just sugar and something else formed, so it's like hitting him with a cookie with a, with a wooden tip underneath. With I think it even has a metal tip on the end of it. It was like a black metal tip that like broke off in him. Yeah. But like, so he gets drilled with that, and which me tells me right there, it's like, guess what, William, you lost that first. Like I know he tipped it, and that's cheating. But William didn't hit him; he hit William. Right. So you're already losing. Second second round. He's like too weak and came and hold it up and it just gets drilled again pretty much. Yeah, because it goes body shot, body shot. So he's down two nothing. So that's why they say they have to knock him off the What I don't understand is isn't a blow to the head worth two points? It is, but um does he catch him in the head in the second one? In the second hit? I don't know. Maybe maybe he's up three nothing. I don't. I think so because I think that's why he says you have to knock him off the horse. Because you knock him off the horse, I think it's an automatic win. Yeah, if you knock him off the horse, it's an automatic win. Yeah, so it's like even if you would have just hit him once, he would have lost. So he had to knock him off the thing. Yeah, I couldn't remember um, exactly how it was. Great line right here. He says, "Latch it to my arm." He says, "I can't." He goes, "What? Latch it to me arm? Not to my arm. Latch it to me arm." Love the way he says it. I don't know why it cracks me up every time. Yeah, and then we, uh... and that's actually it, that's where the guy with the mullet really shines because that's when Chaucer comes out because they're trying to get him ready for the third run, and the guy's about to wave the flag, and he comes out and gives his speech, um, to to buy him a little bit of yeah, time. Which I thought was a nice little, nice, nice little move that they added that in there, but it is—I don't know. This is this bothers me. I really did like this final scene, but it's really dumb that he yells William as loud as possible when he hits him on the third. Yeah, and it's like so now he has to unhorse him to win. He's got no armor. He can't even grip it. He's got it strapped to him. Yeah, and it's like I don't know how he'd be able to get it up, like like get it lifted up, she said. and keep it straight and strong. To knock him off. Exactly. It's maybe it's some adrenaline, you know, whatever. Yeah, and then it's a little weird. They have him scream it. He knocks him. He floats in the air. 
They're all standing around him. They pull the you've been weighed, you've been measured, and you've been found wanting line. And then it cuts back, and it's him yelling again. Just get rid of the yelling. It was weird. Well, I, I'm pretty sure when he gets drilled and it's like a dream sequence is what it is. Yeah, it is. But, I mean, it kind of like, does it, then it like comes back. Like, it goes back. Yeah, like, it should have been it came back and he was already on the ground. But and then, you know, he can't hold a lance, but after he's done and wins, he can, like, parkour over a fence and kiss Jocelyn. Yeah. Yeah. Adrenaline. Adrenaline can do some incredible things to you. But yeah. And then that's where you, All right, that's... That's where you have your Chester talking about how he's going to write a book. And then, you know, Shook Me All Night Long by... Yeah, Shook Me All Night Long comes out. Again, 1970s music. We are the champions. I think that was a 70s song. Might have been 80s. The credits had some We Are the Champions in it, too. I, yeah, that's right. I forgot they, they threw that in, too. <laughs> Which, that was one of my first CDs, was the two CD, or the um, just two tracks, We Will Rock You and We Are the Champions. It's one of the first ones I ever had. So, Ed, what were your thoughts on the movie? Great ending to the movie, except for that little weird part. Uh, really great cable watch. It's easy to jump in and out of. There are certain spots that if it's on, and I know it's on, like if it's, I know that final scene's coming up, or the the scene with him doing the sword fighting, I'll, uh, it's just a fun movie. I'll watch it for a little bit. And then you don't have to, it's not heavy enough, you need to watch the whole thing. I said two ago, it's 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 got a it's a movie that's got a little bit of something for everybody. You know, it's got some action, it's got some drama, a little intrigue, some comedy, some romance. And the romance for me is like, you know, I'm not a rom com guy. I kind of consider this a romance comedy a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. It's a little romance little sports romance, little sports little rom com, little um definitely not I wouldn't but the romance scene a little bit of a, a an action y Type the romance scenes aren't long though like so like it keeps me in the movie so like even like you know when they're doing they're writing that letter to her and um they're all giving their they're, input. yeah putting their input to pretty much write this like beautiful letter for her. um like you know and just when i'm like oh this is okay i'm getting over this and then she he's like do you have anything to give him back and then she get and then you find out when she goes back yeah it gives it a little the little kiss he's like yeah. waiting he's like well, what'd she give you what'd she give you and then he just gives him a kiss and he gets all pumped up. And it's like, it goes from, you know, you have like a two, three minutes. Getting a little sappy yeah. to being to immediately minutes. getting into something that's good. Yeah. Uh, and then we, our big discussion, is it a sports movie? The answer is yes. Yeah. Absolutely agree. Uh, your best scene from the movie. I said, uh, I liked the training montage and I liked the, I liked the practice dance scene too. <laughs> the practice dance scene is pretty funny. Uh, I had that, and I actually had two more. I had the joust with Edward early on, and then the final jousting scene. I thought were both pretty good. The worst scene. I thought the, it's the dance. I said the, I said the, the stupid little fight with Jocelyn just made no sense to me. It is. It doesn't make any sense either. But that dance just oh, it drives me crazy. Um, I know it's a movie, but the music, man. I'm telling you, it drives me nuts. Music. It's it's it it just feels so out of place. It doesn't bother me. I don't know why. It just if it were a movie made about football in the 1970s, then play all that music. But but what but it, what it, music do you think the the movie would have been better with like old classical music? I do not think so. I don't. It doesn't even be classical music. I you think just something that didn't have any that much. Like, it just doesn't need any lyrics. You can't get 
you know, back then they would have had some sort of like, what would they have done? This is supposed to like change your mood and like your feeling of how the, the movie's going. You shouldn't. Yeah, I, I get that, but I just would have, I don't know. Back then, it's really, it's, it's hard. You know, what they, it doesn't have to be period music, period specific, but just play something without some, like play some action music, play some romance music. You just don't need. It just it felt out of place to me. I've made I've I've made my statement. I'm sticking with it. Wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. I just my uh, my, my, but, my only night of food, but is he would have gotten caught way earlier. <laughs> wait, wait, even if he had papers. Like so, out of he just, oh he just yeah like, yeah they would have figured like, it out all these tournaments like he would have got caught way earlier. Yeah, if he would have been losing, no one would have cared. But you keep winning all those things, someone's going to dig into you. Exactly. Um, What's your best line, Ed? My best line is, "How would you beat him?" And this is Adamar talking to, I guess, like his chief strategist. He said, "How would you beat him?" He said, "With a stick, while he slept, but on a horse with a lance." That man is unbeatable. That was a pretty, pretty cool line. It's a pretty cool line. I threw in the, you know, yeah, it's a lance. Hello. Yeah, <laughs> I, I also threw in Chaucer's introductions. The first one he does, and the last one he does. I thought those were pretty good. Also, do you want to touch him? I thought it was. Funny. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's your favorite character, Mike? Um, I put down Chaucer. Me too. I put down Chaucer. I said I threw. It gave Watt a shout out. But Watt's a little funny. Roland's a little funny, but uh, Chaucer's the best. For as much as you don't like him, he pisses you off. You know, Adamar could be in too. Adamar could be in there. I I feel like this movie is 25% less entertaining without Chaucer. Probably, yeah. Especially those two speeches he gives just really kind of bring it all together. Early on, it's funny, and then at the end, it kind of it gives that little extra tingliness to the the sports scene itself. I mean, Paul Paul Bettany is just good in everything that he does. Really, he is. He is. Which Paul Bettany will be coming up in a second. Uh, worst character, I picked Jocelyn. I just feel like she doesn't have a personality. I, I'm not blaming Shannon Sassman. That's kind of how she is as an actress. That's why I don't think she her career went long. But I just feel like. There's not much there to her. There's small pieces of her, but I feel like throughout the whole movie, she really is just kind of bleh. Yeah. It's kind of the the wet blanket. She, she probably I put down Kate at first, but then as soon as I wrote her down, I was like, I kind of was like thinking about Joss, and I was like, you know, maybe it's her. Kate didn't have a huge role in the movie. Like I liked always, Kate. I thought Kate was good. The thing is, she the, her, the problem with me too is she was always surrounded by funny. By really good, yeah. By funny, well written. I I feel like she wasn't given good enough lines. Exactly. I'll she say really that wasn't much. given a chance. In it. The other yeah. girl, she, you know, she, she's out of. I think this is a movie. She's kind of out of pace, place for the period. It made her like you know a little more like, you know, when the way she would dress like punkish almost, you know, and kind of a little more. A little bit, yeah, a little bit. All right, our top five, our actor, actress for this week is the great Paul Bettany. And I have a confession to make, Mike. Mm. I could only come up with four things for Paul Bettany because I've only ever seen him in four things. That's a shame. It is a shame because I started reading some of the other things that he's been in, and they're all movies that I kind of just, I missed them or I never saw them. So I'm going to give a top four. 
and I'm combining some things here. So number four for me is the Avengers as he's the vision. I haven't seen the most recent Avengers, but like age of Ultron when he plays the vision, number three, Da Vinci code. He plays a really weird dude and he plays it extremely well. Mm -hmm. He's the assassin. Number two, Iron Man playing Jarvis. Um, I consider that separate than the Avengers because there's one piece where it's Jarvis and he's just the voice of Jarvis, but I feel like he still gets credit for it. And then the last I had a Knight's Tale because he's just great as Chaucer. All right. Well, then you actually get some movies from me then. Yes, I actually get some movies. I'm sitting there looking at his IMDb. I'm like, I've never seen that one. I've never seen that one. I've never seen that one either. He's he's good as Vision. I didn't even put Avengers. I didn't put Avengers and I didn't put Iron Man or anything that in when he's Jarvis because I was like, you know, he's just the voice. I want to wait. He's just the voice of Jarvis, and yeah, he has a part as Vision, but it's it's not that big. He is excellent in Master Commander with uh, Russell, Russell Crowe. Crow, yeah, he's excellent. Which he you've told me that movie's very good, and I never it, saw it. it has, I heard it, it was bad. At it has first. its slow parts, but I think it's a very interesting movie. I think that's the problem. Isn't it like two and a half hours yeah, long or something? You know, it's it's definitely they could cut some scenes out, but like overall, I just kind of like the sometimes I like a movie like that where it's just kind of you're not like it's not a Michael Bay, you know, like where you're just trying to fill it with as much action as you possibly can. If yeah. It. Um, I wrote down a beautiful mind. He, okay. You know, plays with Russell Crowe. With awesome. Russell Crowe, <laughs> but he plays like his best friend from college who's not a real person no it's all in his mind all in his mind because he's schizophrenic right uh i have something like i have a knight's tale uh this is in no particular order either i don't have it with russell crowe no unfortunately <laughs> russell crowe's not in this one i'm sure we could have put him in here somewhere though <laughs> actually i had him as a recast character and then i took him out and put someone else in uh, the da vinci code i also mm-hmm. i do like him in that and I put two movies down because they're about the very, they're very similar uh, deals to it. There's a movie he was in called Priest, and there's a movie in, that he was in called Legion. Yeah, you and I talked about this about a week ago, and I'd never heard of or seen either of these movies. They're religiously type movies. The the Priest movie, I think they tried to do a little too much CGI type stuff, and they made I don't like it as much, but Legion. He plays like an angel that came down to earth and type thing. And uh, Dennis Quaid's in it. But, nice. I, I do need to check out a lot of those movies, though. They are um, Master and Commander is probably the first one I need to yeah, watch. Be- but... Beautiful Minds, really good movie. But I'll tell you right now, I think I've watched once or twice, maybe, and that was a long time ago. But it was just, it's a very, you know, kind of. Is it worth watching once and then you're, you're It's a good? drama. Like, it's a good movie, but it's drama. You know? Yeah, yeah. All right, Any uh, anything else on Paul Bettany? We need more Paul Bettany, for the record. But um, And I need to go seek those out. But no, I got nothing else. All right. Uh, you know it's made up because it's on the internet. <laughs> or you know it's true because it's on the internet. Either way. Heath Ledger did this movie called A Knight's Tale and then did the aptly named... The Dark Knight, eight years later, seven years later. Uh, plenty of effort was expended creating lances that would splinter convincingly without taking out the stunts riders as well. 
the body of each lance was scored so it would break easily, and the tips were made of balsa wood. Each was also hollowed out, and the hole filled with balsa chips and uncooked linguine to make convincing splinters. So we were talking about that before, and it still hurt people. Well, guess what, Ed? You probably felt yes. really bad, and you know, being Italian and meatball fanatic. You know, linguine. <laughs> yeah. It's like the the one night where we. Would you hit me with the box of vermicelli? That's right, man. <laughs> uh, uh, Paul Bettany developed laryngitis because of all the yelling he did throughout this movie. Does not surprise me. <laughs> Does not surprise me at all. Because um, he does a lot of yelling and you can kind of hear the rasp in his voice. But it makes it sound better. Some of the extras were homeless people from Prague, as we talked about. Uh, when Chaucer first introduces Sir Ulrich in his speech, the crowd doesn't react at first because the Czech people uh, extras didn't understand it. Mark Addy's loud prompted tipped them to start cheering, where he kind of does the yeah. yeah. Uh, the awkward moment was left in because it made the scene a lot funnier. <laughs> I think it, it does. It does really well. well funny. It, it, when you look at it, you know, you don't even know. You just think it's part of the movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they did an awesome job keeping in. Um, the aerial shot of London includes a medieval version of the London, uh, the London Eye. It was a model, not CGI, and cost $500,000 to make. Of course. Um, Heath Ledger knocked out one of director Brian Helford's front teeth with a broomstick when the two were demonstrating a jousting move. It was several months before Hagelin's mouth was healed enough to repair the damage. He says it was the only jousting injury during filming. What's well, bullshit? I just so told you I, about the... Yeah, the other yes. thing. And I did read that somewhere, so ignore that last sentence. <laughs> uh, Gelderland is a real province in Netherlands. Sir Ulrich's name caused many unplanned laughs in the cinemas there. And I looked it up. It's like a, essentially like a state or a pro, uh, area, province of, of the Netherlands. Well, that, I know somewhere I read, I don't know if I wrote it down, but that his character, Sir Ulrich, was a real person. That's what I was about to read. The real Ulrich von Lichtenstein was a real knight and a regular jouster. He boasted that he would give a golden ring to any knight who could break, his, break a lance on his armor. Giving away 271 total golden rings, but he always remained undefeated. That's pretty cool. Uh, Heath Ledger fact here. Largely unknown at the time this went into production, was cast on the strength of his performance in the rushes that Brian Hagelin had seen of him in the Patriot, which was filming at the same time. So the Patriot got him this and 10 things I hate about you came out in 99 Patriot was 2000. So he's like, he had some notoriety, but he was kind of unknown still. He was known in certain circles. Uh, you know, it was not another team movie. It was a team. Well, I'm sorry, not a team movie. Um, 10 things I hate about you was a, was a teenager movie, but it wasn't really super mainstream in terms of, um, like action films and stuff. Uh, we talked about the Nike logo on William's armor. Uh, several initial stories reported that A Knight's Tale was an in-flight movie available on the airlines that crashed into the World Trade Center on September 11th. Yeah, I heard about We don't know if that's true or not, but anything, uh, any other ones you have other than the guy getting hurt? Um, no, I might, you know, we talked about how, like, the first book is called The Knight's Tale and Canterbury Tale, right? Yeah. Um, uh, 
Oh, that what's her name? Shannon Sassaman. She was actually discovered for this role at a at a at Gwyneth Paltrow's party by the casting director. Invited wow. her to audition and she got the movie. She got the part. So cool. I was just like, oh. So she gets to go to Gwyneth Paltrow's Gwyneth Paltrow's party and she gets to make out with Heath Ledger and bang him. And gets to make out with Heath Ledger at the end. Yeah. And maybe bang. That's not a that's not a bad couple of months though. I know, right? She's really doing all right for herself right there. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, Adamar's Harold Chaucer kisses him twice, and it wasn't scripted. They were, they, <laughs> they, made him even more confused. Yeah, they're just like he told him to surprise what he came up with. <laughs> I mean, it fit really well because you can tell how completely shocked he is. And it, it fit the role perfectly. Yeah, and then other than that, I just have I have those those quotes down where you know that everybody's got something to hide except for me and my monkey. Yeah. <laughs> your insides are out and your outsides are in. And then uh when the Beatles played the Royal Command in nineteen sixty three, John Lennon introduced the last song by acknowledging the people in the cheap seats and telling the upper classes in the better seats to just rattle their fucking jewelry. <laughs> um, and the people were like freaking out because he dropped the f bomb in front of the queen. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. That would be that'd be rough then. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. I think. Yeah. On to the best part. Should it be remade, Michael? I don't think you remake this one. I don't think so either. I've got a good cast for it. I kind of threw it together oh. at the last minute. I think I've got some good people, but. I don't know if it would work. You know, and it's one of those things, it's like, and to tell you the truth, remade, no. Sequel, yes, but unfortunately, I don't think you could do a sequel because we don't have... He, yeah, there's no Heath, and it'd be weird to recast him, but... But I, I, I would so, be totally down if he was still alive to do... To get, like, I'd be down for anything Heath Ledger's doing. It's 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 so depressing that he... Well, I, that's a horrible word to use because that's what he was with the press, but it's just sad that he went the way he did because he was just really finding his acting stride too. Yeah. I, I think him playing the Joker will go down as one of the, you know, 25 best performances in acting history. It really will. Anyways, um, so who would be in the remake if it were me remade today? I'm, I'm going to throw some names at you and let's go character by character. I'll give you mine. You give me yours, all right? All right? I'll show you mine. You show me yours. <laughs> Uh, for for William, I have and I tried to go with all British actors. I I, I started, I started Dan, with that, but I was like, I can't. I don't just don't know enough. And... Well, I think I found I think I found good enough ones. Uh, Dan Stevens to play William. He is he plays Beast in the new Beauty and the Beast remake, the live action remake. But if you've seen ninety the ninety the museum three, he plays I have not Lancelot. He's really good as Lancelot in the third one. He's pretty good. He's actually pretty funny too. I think he'd be. He's a. He's a little bit older than Heath Ledger was in this, although Heath Heath Ledger looked like he was thirty anyway. It's, it's tough to. I mean, I feel like you could do a little bit of, you know, inner outs with this because, you know, you could you could say William was maybe you know twenty one or something like that, twenty two, you know, sure. in this movie. But you could easily have someone that's supposed to be you know twenty seven or twenty eight, and you could just pick somebody yeah. who's a little bit older to be. Um, people don't have to say this. And I just had, 
I had him up. Let me see how old he is. He is 36. 35, Dan Stevens is. So maybe he's a little too old to play it. But, I mean, you could just work the script around. Yeah, but, I mean, people play older, you know, play, you know, somebody who's 30. People want to play younger. Somebody who's 30 plays somebody who's in college. You know, like, it it happens all the time. People who are in college play people who are in high school all the time. That's how it goes. Sometimes it's a little weird, but um, um, all right. Who do you have for Will? I wrote down uh, Kit Harrington. Okay, he's if you don't know who he is, he's from Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. But I also just put it down. I thought he's he's definitely older, but he looks good with long blonde hair. Sure, stronger, and his name's Chris Hemsworth. Of course. Um, so you can even brother. He can pull off the accent. He's Australian, but he can still pull off. You know, what you could do is the 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 younger one. But what I thought Luke. would be funny would be is you threw if you used both brothers in this somehow. And actually, the third one has started coming into some stuff. I don't know about the third one. There's a third one. Have you seen? Right, you've seen Thor Ragnarok, yeah. right? So you know when they do oh, that's a, the. Um, he's the one playing Thor when they do the the play, of when you see Matt. Um, Matt Damon playing uh, Tom Hiddleston's character. Uh, what the hell is his name? Loki. Yeah. When they do that play at the beginning, the other Hemsworth's the one that's playing. That's that's Thor. Liam, isn't it? No, there is a third. There is a third Hemsworth though, Luke, and Luke. that that's him playing him. Luke. I think it's Luke's the third one. Is it Luke? No, I got to look it up because now I'm. Yeah, there's yeah Luke Hemsworth. I knew it was. I knew it was one of them. I didn't. Really wasn't really. Yeah, Luke. Now Liam's yeah. the one that's in Expendables yes. too, which I like him. But uh, yeah, Luke could be. You could get all three in there. That'd be fun with all three of them. Agreed. All right, next one, Roland. I went a little skinnier, and I picked James McAvoy to play him because he's got a British Irish accent. In that's, real life. that's funny because I actually picked James McAvoy to play Chaucer. <laughs> Okay. Just I was thinking of somebody okay. who could talk and be very he's very he can be like that, very you know bold, bold and out there. But but see, I had him down, you're gonna laugh at this. I had him down as Watt too. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had him as Watt first and then I picked a different person to play Watt. I wanted to go with a skinnier person to play Watt. Because McAvoy's kind of short and stocky a little bit. And I wanted to get someone a little bit stockier to play Roland. So who'd you have for Roland? Who's McAvoy's skinny as shit? What are you talking about? I guess he <laughs> is, but I don't know. You'll see who I picked for for Watt, and you'll see what I mean. But um, Roland, who'd you pick what for? Roland? I had written down for Roland. I threw down some Jack Black. I threw down. <laughs> well, I think he could probably do a pretty decent accent. I just feel it because I put that. I thought I thought he could also do a great Chaucer. He could do a I great Chaucer. He could, just, I kind of had him and McAvoy. I kind of like was like, you know what? But I'm like, I think McAvoy, like he always surprises me. Like he, James McAvoy always surprises me. He's very underrated as an actor. And, uh, but then I also threw down Chris Pratt. We could chub him back up. Yeah. You could chub him back up. I don't, and then, I don't know how his accent yeah. is, but yeah, probably not that great. Pretty good actor. But, so uh, I feel like he probably, you know. So for, for what I have Billy Boyd who played Pippin from Lord of the Rings. 
like I said, I went really little to play what. I know he's not that short in real life, but he's like a skinny little I dude. Could, I could see it. Actually, you're going to be really surprised by this. Um, but have you ever seen Swiss, Swiss Army Man? I have not. It is completely, absolutely ridiculous movie. Completely, absolutely ridiculous. I can't even like describe it. But it, I think it's ridiculously hilarious at the same time. And Daniel Radcliffe's in it. And I put down Daniel Radcliffe as what? I, I actually looked at Daniel Radcliffe, too. Uh, he's He was in the second... Harry uh, Potter? Now You See Me. <laughs> and he plays the bad guy in it. He's actually pretty good as it. I feel like of all the people from the... It's like some... You know, when you do eight movies and it's your entire acting career until the age of 24 it's pretty easy to be your Harry Potter for the rest of your life but I feel like he's slowly breaking out pretty sure he can live off all the money he's made off those Harry Potter movies oh he absolutely can but it's the same thing of if you look at Star Wars you know George Hamill always was Luke and um Oh no, I know, and that's what I say. Yeah, he, he. I'm hoping he can get out of it because I believe. But then, really but, but Harrison Harrison Ford was able to break out, and he just was Harrison Ford because he went on to Indiana Jones and about a hundred other movies. So, I, I think that's. I well, the other thing is, as soon as Star Wars was over, he went on and made Blade Runner, which was iconic in its own way, and then obviously Indiana Jones, which was beyond iconic in its own way. So I think that's why he was able to break out, where. Mark Hamill was just essentially Luke Skywalker. Uh, hopefully, we're pulling for you, Radcliffe. I think he's a pretty good actor, and he's he's kind of entertaining as a as an in, as I've heard him like interviewed in real life. He's actually pretty entertaining. Do you want to watch a w- weird movie, Swiss Army Man? Okay, I'll keep it on the list. Next, Count Adamar. I had Sean Bean. I feel like we need more Sean Bean. I, I, he's not in enough movies. I agree. Although he'd have to probably die because Sean Bean always well, has to die in movies. You know, I thought about that. But I think he's way too old. Probably. probably I was trying to think of a guy who could be a bad guy. And I legit wrote down uh, Michael Fassbender. Yeah. Christian, Fassbender's Christian, awesome Christian Bale, I think, would be a good bad guy. I actually wrote down Russell Crowe, which is funny because we were talking about Paul Bettany earlier. I consider Russell Crowe. Because like, I don't know how the age difference in the characters, you know, and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, Sean Bean, you're right, probably is somewhere in his mid-50s by this point. Yeah, because, I mean, he plays Kit Harrington's dad, you know? like. Yeah, and you know what? He was, well, let's think. GoldenEye was 24 years ago, and he probably was 40 then, so maybe he's even in his 60s. So he might be too old. But, but I think my pick would be Michael Fassbender. Fastbender's awesome. I cannot speak highly enough about how good he was in Twelve Years a Slave. Without him, you don't have a movie. He's he is he is so evil, and he's so good at it. And of course, he didn't get nominated because the Academy would never nominate someone that plays a slave owner. But oh my god, is he good in that movie? Who you got next? Jocelyn, played by a girl named Lily James. They did the live-action remake of Cinderella about three years ago, and she plays Cinderella. Really pretty blonde-haired girl, and she just was in the newest Mamma Mia, rem- uh, Mamma Mia 2. Um, didn't see Mamma Mia, did see Cinderella. She's, she's actually quite good. 
and she has a very, very British accent. She's a little young to be playing against Dan Stevens because I didn't realize how young he, how old he was, but still, I think she would be a really good fit for Jocelyn. I I actually put down two actors for I just put down Kate and Jocelyn. That I was like, I feel like either one of these people could play either one of the roles. I put down Emma Watson, speaking of Harry Potter. Okay. Um, and I wrote down her name is Alicia Vikander. Oh, yeah, Alicia Vikander. She's in like the, She's the girl from Tomb Raider. Yeah. Yeah. But was- not British. She's Swedish, but still. Yeah. Um, they could fit. Actually, for Kate, I had I put Emily Blunt in there. Because I feel like she could play a little bit of a tough, kind of tough nose, hard ass girl. That's kind of what I thought this girl was. And I thought that, I thought more that um, Emma Watson could play Jocelyn, the pretty girl. No, Emma Watson would be good as Jocelyn. But then I saw Emma Watson and This is the End, and she's like pretty much beating up all the guys and robbing them. And I was like, you know, maybe she could play yeah. So uh, I have three people left. Let's go with you do. Colville first. Yeah, I added I added one more person here. So Colville Edward. I picked Henry Cavill, the guy who plays Superman. He's actually British. Uh, that's t- that would totally be I think a pretty good. I don't I didn't even put him down, but uh, yeah, but no, I, I um, agree a hundred percent that he could totally. I added because I'd like to see the I th- I thought it'd be cool to see the role expanded. Edward's wife. And I think it should be played by Kate Beckinsale because I want Kate Beckinsale in more stuff. And Kate Beckinsale is going to be too old. Henry Cavill, not to be Henry Cavill's wife. They're about the same age. No, no, no. Like, but you marry young, bro. When you're back then. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why Dan Stevens and Lily James would work. But uh, um, yeah, Henry Cavill's in his. I think he's in his like early forties, and she's in like her yeah, mid forties. Although her boyfriend in real life is like twenty six. Um, and for the record, Kate Beckinsale might be the best looking person on the planet. She's 44. And he's probably about 40. No, he's young. He's the same age as me. Really? Yeah. He's born in 1980. Well, there we bro. go. Never mind. <laughs> I was trying, I was trying to get her in there somehow. He but... just turned 35. He's born in May. All right. Then never mind. Never mind for Kate Beckinsale. Oh, well, we tried Kate next movie. <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, lastly, I also thought about in a lot of these like little like, funny roles like Simon Pegg. Yeah, he could be a good little like Roland or Watt, one of those two. He's always a good comic relief. But the most important role, Chaucer. So originally I thought we could just keep it as Paul Bettany. But I think he's a little too old at this point because that was 17 years ago. Yeah. So I picked Benedict Cumberbatch to play Chaucer. I could, I could see that. Like you said, I, yeah. I, I threw James McAvoy. I said even a Jack Black um, could do it. I'm kind of curious now. I wonder – I've never seen my, Michael Fassbender in a comedy-type role. That would be interesting to see, actually. Well, if he was Adamar, he's not a comedy. He still plays like a, a hard I know. Ass. I'm saying I was like – has he ever been in a comedy? Tossing him, tossing him in as, you know, Chaucer. I think he could do it. He's a great actor. I think that he could. could oh, he's it. tremendous. He's been the good guy in movies before, you know, and I just don't know exactly what he'd be at. But 
Oh, he's he did Macbeth, so he can probably do the British accent. Well, I think he's what? What is he? Do you know? He is seventy-seven. So what? Forty? Forty-one? No, no. He, he's German. Oh, what is he from? He's German. Yeah. Okay. So he, yeah, he's from Germany. He definitely do a good accent then, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I forgot he's in Haywire. That's an underrated movie. We're doing that movie. I've never seen it. Oh, it's good. You would really like it. Oh, yeah, and Glorious Bastards. He's been in so many good things. 300. 300's like, he was, that was early he on. He had long hair in that movie. Yeah, Band of Brothers. He's in Band of Brothers, too. There were so many people in Band of Brothers that um, Tom Hardy's in Band of Brothers, even. He's in it for, like, one or two scenes. Hmm. But we maybe we could, uh, that was one I said you need to sit down and watch is Band of Brothers. You should do that before you go back to work. Before work starts back up for you, because that that's ten. It's only ten episodes, but HBO Go, man, just sit down and hammer through those. You won't be able to stop watching them. They're so good. Oh, Michael Fassbender has a German father and an Irish mother, so I'm sure he can figure it out. Oh, he was raised in Southwest Ireland, so yeah, he'll have the accent. I like him as I like him as Adam Armore. He'd be really good. Could be good. All right, Mike. Anything else to add? So, guys, provide us some feedback. What you thought of us kind of doing it this way a little differently this time instead of kind of going scene by scene by scene and kind of just winging it as we go through. Send us uh, send us a tweet uh, at Worth the Watch PC or email us uh, Worth the Watch Podcast at gmail dot com. We want your feedback. I'm not I'm not hearing back much, so I, I want more. I want to know what you guys like, what you don't. No, I don't really have anything too too much to add. Um, like I said, I got just a good movie worthwhile. Yeah. So our next movie will be coming in a couple weeks. Our first Arnold Schwarzenegger sighting. End of days. I, I think you and I have screamed, you're a fucking choir boy, at each other about a thousand times. What, you think you know bad, huh? <laughs> <laughs> So that one will be next. Uh, like I said, I'll be this one will be coming out in early August, and then hopefully that one will be coming shortly, about two weeks after. So uh, keep an eye out. Please keep sharing with people. Our numbers continue to go up, and I'm really happy that people seem to be ingesting it and theoretically enjoying it because the the it seems to be a consistent number going for for each movie. So uh, continue, keep sharing. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks, Mike. Hey, yeah, no problem, Ed. Good talking to you. You too.